All right, tonight on the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean, we are diving deep into the Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore trailer, talking West Side Story, the Golden Globe nominees, what's going on with that Deepwater movie, and a whole lot more after the jump. Change the game just now. I have a rave. These are the best ideas I've ever heard. Seth I'm saying that that's, the, that's the commentary that will exist. Oh, my girl, in a Oh my god! Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. This is episode 75, Sean. There feels like there's some sort of amazing accomplishment available here, and uh, I want to sort of compare it to something, but this is our 75th anniversary. That's how <laughs> I'm putting it. What's that one, the 75th? Is that like... Like uh, uh, like spice, gold? Spice Spi- from Ooh. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> spice from Dune. That, that is the 100th anniversary, sir. That is the most valuable, is the spice. Most valuable, most valuable. Well, we welcome you all here. Uh, hope you enjoyed our new intro that we're testing out and playing with. Uh, we had a lot of fun in all those episodes, and we're glad to be able to share some of them once again with you all. Sean, we have a lot to dive into today. Uh, Anything in particular that you have going on at this time uh, before we jump into all the fun stuff? Well, except for the fact that my makeshift podcast studio right now is absolutely stuffed with Christmas gifts, uh, wedding dresses, wedding gifts, uh, various Christmas cards, I think, uh, the workout stuff because of the Christmas tree. So uh, I have very little arm space to move. Sean, if you didn't send my gift by now, it's not going to get here in time. So I'm I am literally looking at, at it right now. Uh, and it looks like, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, you're the gift you got us for the wedding. Oh, that one. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you thought that? Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I avoid that kind of. Si- yeah, we're good. <laughs> over the head, over the head. We're great at our communication skills, as you we're can see. Very good at that. All right, so today we finally got the long-awaited uh, debut of the trailer for Fantastic Beast Three, which is Fantastic Beast Somewhere to Find Them Three: The Secrets of Dumbledore. They have shortened it for us, which is wonderful. Fantastic Beast: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Let's dive into this. Uh, trailer, and we'll discuss on the other side. If you listen carefully enough, the past whispers to you. We're here to see Albus Dumbledore. That would be my brother. The world as we know it is coming undone. Grindelwald is pulling it apart with hate. If we're to defeat him, you'll have to trust me. This is the team that's going to take down the most dangerous wizard in over a century. A magizoologist, his indispensable assistant. Wizard descended from a very old family, a school teacher. And... A muggle. Dumbledore asked that I give you something. Are you kidding me right now? Who wouldn't like our chances? Off to save the world, are we? Things are not quite what they appear. 
swivel but delicately. I'm swiveling like you're swiveling. points to Hufflepuff. Can I? Mm-mm. Very dangerous. We've gotten the wrong hands. Mess you up. Where did you get it? I got it for Christmas. Uh, okay, I mean, like, as as we know, I know very little about Harry Potter. I haven't been venturing into these Fantastic Beasts movies but the, and I don't know what was going on at all in that trailer, and <laughs> it looked pretty cool and pretty fun. I it won me over pretty well done. That's a good trailer, it's right a there. Very good trailer. <laughs> you know, the thing with this series is that it has a lot to do to regain trust after the second one. There's some people that really love it. Darren from Darren's movie reviews will tell you he loves it, but Darren loves a lot of things. <laughs> He's um, a very positive gent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the second one was really kind of a mess. And this one also has a couple things that it's dealing with, with the recasting of Grindelwald, which is now Mads Mikkelsen uh, in place of Johnny Depp. Um, they are, if you if you know anything about the, the other Harry Potter stories or the other Harry Potter movies, the original ones and the original books, there's a lot of callbacks there. Um, of course, we have Dumbledore who was introduced last movie. Jude Law is a sexy, sexy man, by the way does so well as like this young double like it's just kind of like this perfect he's like the hot professor he is the hot professor i i want detention um but he <laughs> <laughs> wizard detention is um, detention given in college by a professor that would be interesting this kick you out this lock the door um <laughs> No, but there's a lot of callbacks. So, of course, if you saw the, the, it looked like it was a Quidditch player that was kind of going around the castle on the broom. You have the rumor requirement. So the room that we require, that's the rumor requirement, it sounds like, from uh, one of the previous books slash movies. Um, and you also are spending more time in the castle. If you noticed at the end, that clip where they're asking him where he got the wand, he's, they're sitting in the Great Hall. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that I think they're bringing in to try to remind some of the former no, I don't want to say former, but the, the people that were fans of Harry Potter growing up and of the original series, they're showing them more links to the originals and trying to bring that world, those worlds together. But I'm excited for this. I also want to point out there's a very diverse cast, if you saw mm -hmm. all the people they were introducing. And I'm very excited for that because the very first, the very first, the first series wasn't the most diverse in the world. Not it's interesting. AK Rowling doesn't really love diversity. Yeah, but. she's not really uh, that open-minded at this point. Um, I really, uh, I really love that uh, they're bringing in like as someone once again who like you know kind of like watched the movies but did sort of sleep through them and haven't hasn't really rewatched them. Not out of hatred, just out of okay, I saw them, they were there. Um, but uh, you know the the brother of Dumbledore is referenced, is talked about. Is he? He, he's he's talked through as a picture at one point is he ever like you know talked about her because he seems like he was kind of shamed i think yeah. i the final the final book really discusses him and really introduces him yeah. as well as um my gosh i'm gonna forget if it's the the part one or part two of deathly hallows i think it's part 
one, but I may be wrong. That's the exact problem with Deathly Hallows, man. If that were just one movie, that would have been like the best movie I've ever seen. Like that was so structured to be a great movie, but they was the part one and part two just pisses me off. <laughs> I'm excited for it though. I mean, it comes yeah. out in April. It's been long delayed because they, so the rumors behind the scenes were that they were really trying to rewrite it to do some of this stuff that we just mentioned to try to bring in some uh, callbacks to what people are familiar with. Uh, and I think that trailer does a good job of it. It got me excited. And uh, Matt Mickelson, come on. Like, he's he's wonderful. Now, just a quick comment on that. Like, the Grindelwald character can kind of shapeshift, right? So it's sort of like they could sort of explain that away that he's, oh, now he looks like Mads Mickelson. Or are they just not saying anything? Well, I don't know how they're going to go about that. There's yeah. different things in the Wizarding World that allow people to look different. Yeah. Um, and that is explored in the first Fantastic Beasts. Um, but you know, where that goes in, in the future and how they explain that away. Who knows? But I'll let, that, I'll let them handle that. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, had, they had a committee. We'll just talk about it after. <laughs> we had a committee. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that that committee took shit away from J.K. Rowling. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you'll, we'll give you your check. Just please walk away. <laughs> we'll give you money. Just please go away. <laughs> please step away. All right. The next one we're going to take a look at is Reno 911, The Hunt for QAnon. Did you ever watch Reno, Reno 911 growing up? I adored Reno 911. I believe on Comedy Central. Like, yes. um, And then I saw the Miami one, which I thought was also like a pretty brilliant movie. It's really <laughs> so good. I'm ready for this. It is really good. They also, if you ever have the chance, I think it's on Roku now, but they, when remember Quibi, um, they did short seven minute episodes of Reno 911 and revived it. And I downloaded Quibi just for the Reno 911 oh episodes. God. They're phenomenal. So Comedy Central seems to be going, the, and Paramount in general seems to be going this route of doing like one hour specials or whatnot. Uh, and this is the latest from the Reno 911 people called Reno 911 The Hunt. For QAnon, I, for one, cannot wait. Good morning, gang. Apparently this Q, or QAnon, whatever that is, has been saying defamatory things. We need to put this in the hand and serve Q. They're having a convention on a boat. Leaving from Panama, Florida to Nassau. Yes! Yes! We're going undercover. <laughs> <laughs> I am Captain Peace. Hello. Before you wonder, yes, I have been acquitted. All good. <laughs> nice meeting you, Coco. So nice to meet y'all too. A beautiful Q and I. You should see him with his pants off. <laughs> you know, Q is a question, a query. Honey, <laughs> could get next to that little weirdo. I did it to become Miss Teen Whiskey Pete's, and I can do it now. So you guys know who uh, Q is? It's a weird question. Let me ask you something. You guys cops? Welcome to Jeffrey Epstein's Island. <laughs> Here Someone has to get this bomb safely out to sea. Not yet. Not yet. Obviously, I was going to do it while I'm volunteer. Why would I step in and say that dramatically? I'll do it. Rio 911, <laughs> the hunt for QAnon. Exclusively on Paramount Plus Sign. Is it bad that I feel like I'm being threatened with a good time? I mean, this is some of the nice stuff. Some of this is actually next year's stuff, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Paramount Plus Sign. 
they're not even trying to be serious. They're not even trying to be legit. They just went full fun. And I think that is great. Like <laughs> I, I am so impressed by the fact that, you know, it looks like it's, you know, they wanted to go for an image of completely low budget. Um, and I love that. I really love how they made this look great. I mean, you got the, the, the roaring with laughter for those on audio, the roaring of laughter was the, uh, Pat and Oswald and then Steve Agee as well. Cameos, which are like perfect, like QAnon people. <laughs> oh God. I'm so excited for it because they're just hilarious. And they're like, that probably doesn't even show the half of it because they are batshit crazy on that show. And I love that they're all back. I mean, not all of them have gone on a great careers, but Nisi Nash has done some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Wendy McClendon Covey has done some good stuff. Um, the main dude, he's been in some things too. Like Thomas always, Lennon, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of nice that they come back to like their roots for this. And I'm sure it's just like a good paycheck for them, but they're hilarious. It's not only great that they come back for these, um, but they can like easily slip back into those characters. Like we've seen all of them. I've I've seen pretty pretty much everyone in that cast, like in different roles that are very different comedy, possibly drama, possibly, but regardless, I've seen him all like, like kind of work with, uh, you know, in different skins, if you will. And then they just came right back into this and it looks like it was effortless and they can do this. You know, they could make one of these every five years. It seems like at this point, um, and they're just not even being subtle. They literally have the, uh, the, uh, Q shaman there. They're just messing up. I mean, like, it, it really does seem like, this is going to be something that I, I'll look at the whole time. I'll be laughing and the whole time I'll simultaneously be saying, this is very stupid, <laughs> which is what we need. Like, yes. I want some of this stupid shit. And I love when this stuff comes around. I still, Reno 911 is in my rotation of shows that I'll watch again. Um, just because it's timeless. I, that's kind of how I mentioned this before, but will and grace, I watch that on a regular basis. I'm still watching that to this day. And Karen Walker I am convinced oh. one of the best written characters on television. She is comedic gold. Just I full wholeheartedly agree. All right. So we are going to dive into what we've been watching, and we have to talk about what many are calling the best movie of the year. Uh, and I haven't gotten your thoughts on this yet. So I'm going to start with you on this with West Side Story. I mean, I you know, throughout this whole uh, run of like all the trailers for West Side Story, where the first trailer literally came at the Oscars last year, and um, I said, "Wow, this looks really good," but they're remaking a 1961 Best Picture classic, and I mean, what I should have done is I should have had faith in Steven Spielberg, because that's exactly how this should go, um, where. This is a remake. This is a reimagining. And so normally remakes are the devil in Hollywood or at least in film snobbery. Um, And this instead was something that they brought it to another level. Now, that's not to say that this one is better than the other. I'm not going to do the comparison game. But I will say that this one added more to certain portions. And it makes it a more legible piece of a film, of a story. Um, some of the musical uh, numbers were, you know, placed in different areas, in different parts of the uh, movie, and in different settings, which gave them more gravity. Off the top of my head, Officer Krupke being in a courthouse without Officer Krupke being there, they weren't making fun of him. They were making fun of each other and how they're stuck in a system. Um, I mean, I look at the, and this one is actually like uh, controversial, but the America song. Everyone loves when Rita Moreno was on the roof in the original. And I think that that was a great one and a cinematic, like just a a great moment in cinema. But then them running through the streets, 
like as the entire street corners, all right, are singing. And it's just this diverse, beautiful display of Puerto Rican pride as they're talking about America and how they want to do better there and everything. That's something that like is quite amazing. And yeah, there's no long covered shot, but instead it's like this like deeply edited high energy moments, which are just really truly great um th- like the effects are great in this the emotions are great in this there's there there really was this was just absolutely beautiful and unbelievable ariana debose is like really coming close to uh like probably winning an oscar at this point because best supporting actress is a little bit interesting around now so it's going to be interesting to see her um rachel ziegler i hope she gets in the top five for a nomination that's going to it's going to be tough for her to get there. But if that would be her win, if she could get there, um, I mean, I look at, oh, no, I can't remember his name. I know I was going to forget it. But the actor that played Riff Mike, um, uh, face, 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 yes, Feist. Yeah. Feist or Feast. Yeah. Um, he was just unbelievable. And just that opening scene is where you're like, OK, we're in good hands. We're dealing with Spielberg here. And we forget that Spielberg is an exceptional filmmaker mm-hmm. and he can do something like this. And, you know, not that he can do no wrong. He's done wrong, but when he has the right materials around him, he could do something great like this. And I, I truly love this movie. Loved it. Like, oh man, I, I got to be honest. So West Side Story is not my favorite um, in general. The story itself and the, the original musical, and I'm a big musical fan. But seeing the way that this came together, one of my questions going into it was, why do we need this? Mm-hmm. And leaving it, I'm like, that's why we needed it. It, it did a. It's just a really great movie. Um, I do think representation was increased in it in terms of the uh, the culture and the ways in which the decisions that were made, even around something so simple as no subtitles for the Spanish language dialogue. Um, I love I absolutely love that. And the intent there was to say, you know, like this is a, a movie where we are observing the culture and it's not necessary for us to like put English subtitles on it to um, coerce it into what what makes it work for us. Um, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a really intentional, great decision. It is getting some flack about representation. Um, yeah. Of course, I, I think that's going to happen regardless when you are making a movie about a culture such as this. Um, but I really do think it was a great movie. I think the performances all around were really great. Um, Rachel Zegler, I really liked, but I think Ariana DeVos stole the show for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely loved her in this. And I got to, this sounds terrible given all the shit I've given you about this movie in the past. But I was staring at her going, where do I know her from? Uh, and she's in the prom. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I got to be honest. She looks so much older in this she that I totally so forgot much as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but she, she's just phenomenal. Her voice is incredible. She carries a scene. She's really a quarterback for a lot of what happens in this movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, even, I mean, Ansel Elgort with everything he has going on, I thought he was pretty solid as Tony. Um, if there's a weak link, I think you can probably put it on him. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought he was fine. I mean, that that role is a weird role in and of itself. The strength really comes from the supporting roles in West Side Story. Uh, what I struggle with is I was talking to someone recently about this. There's a lot of musicals that came out this year and a lot of musicals that I love. The top three being West Side Story, In the Heights, and Tick, Tick, Boom. When it comes to overall cinematic performance and you know product, I think West Side Story takes the cake in that sense. Yeah. But when it comes down to the end of the year, because this is what a lot of us are starting to think about is people are asking, like, what's your top 10 and stuff like that. Um, I'm thinking, like, how am I rating these? And there's an enjoyment factor that has to go into it as well. So that's going to vary from person to person. I still think In the Heights takes the cake mm-hmm. for me. Um, 
but this is a really incredible movie. So everyone that had uh, had doubts about Steven Spielberg tackling a musical, I mean, just go see it because it's totally going to blow you away with what he was able to do and the emotion he was able to convey. Um, Rita Moreno, we also should mention, is yes. phenomenal on this. And just all around. I mean, the casting was great. It, it's really... Can we also talk about Rachel Zegler is going to be Disney's Snow White and the live-action Snow White? Like, oh, I forgot a, we got that news. Yeah. What a great casting choice after seeing this. Now I love it because it's just you have the innocence of a Disney princess right there. I mean, yeah. and that's what this like role was. Um, I love that Rita Moreno wasn't just a cameo. Um, I um, I also love like you commented on the uh, Spanish speaking and there's no subtitles. What's great about that is there's not full scenes of Spanish speaking. In fact, Ariana DeBose's character um, like literally says like you know speak English, speak English. Cause they, they, they want to have that reverence to be able to like make it in America. And I, I loved that, but it's great. Cause it's almost like watching a silent film where you are just like, you know, the, when they switch into uh, another language, it's like all of a sudden you don't know what they're saying, but you get reactions from them. You get like the tones from them. You, it forces you to be more of a movie viewer. And like, hey, That's I mean, thank point. God this isn't on Netflix right now. Like, and this is in the theater where you're forced to be a movie viewer anyway because you're forced to just look at the screen. But like, if it was on Netflix, you'd be forced to put your phone down, and you then even then you can't read subtitles. You have to literally like see what is going on, what's happening there. Um, and I, I, oh God, I, it's tough because you're right. What are the what are the best musicals this year? And I think it's those three for me as well. And like, I mean, In the Heights was just like my top number one movie for so long. And I, you know, if I look at like from a, a construction standpoint, like I will um, go here. Uh, what my my biggest issue with this movie though, um, and it was it was really horrifying, and I didn't I didn't appreciate that this occurred was Corey Stoll with hair. Um, <laughs> What a what, like when he took off his hat, I almost <laughs> left the theater. I was like, it's only 10 minutes in, I'm out. <laughs> also, Corey Stoll's agent is working overtime for him because that man is in everything right now. When, when he walked up, I was like, is that it is? It is Corey Stoll. So here's this weird part of like, and this is just like a weird personal anecdote, I guess, but I think someone mentioned like, you know, that Clark Gregg is in um yes. is it, oh, okay, wait a minute. Okay, now so, so someone said that somewhere, right? Someone and told I, me that maybe was it last week that we went? God. Oh, I didn't. Was did Mark say that last week? Someone Mark said that, that at some point because they might have thought that Corey Stoll was Clark Gregg because of the hair. <laughs> like, that's what Gregg, I'm thinking. Clark Gregg's on the IMDb for it. Oh no! Yeah. Okay. He's, now I'm very confused. Here I'm pulling it up right now while we're uh, on here. Yeah. Let, what big, West Wise Story is what I just wrote. West Wide um, Story. Well, I, yeah. I actually wrote that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I typed it, it was West Wide Story. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, definitely. But, it works really well. Clark Gregg is listed as uh, someone, someone that's not popping up right now. Um, Interesting. Hold on one second. Uh, Agent Colson. He's recruiting them for a. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not popping up on IMDb anymore. So maybe he's not in it. This is very strange. This is the old. This is where we do a six-part podcast about the mystery <laughs> of Clark Gregg in West Side Story. <laughs> well, the mystery that we were going to talk about later got solved today. So, <laughs> which one is that? The deep water mystery. <laughs> oh, geez, yeah. God help us. <laughs> oh, that was going to be an interesting thing to talk about, and then <laughs> fucking deadline with their scoops. I will uh, say, Ansel Egert, um, you, you're you're much nicer to him, um, and I it, it was it was tough. 
especially with someone who like Ziggler, who's just like so charismatic and everything. It was just tough having him there. Uh, and Tony is a block character. He's absolutely a block character. But the moment where uh, he thought uh, Maria was dead um, and he <laughs> thought he was stabbed. And I, I remember like looking at this and I was kind of stunned. I was like, are you really going for this, buddy? Like, this is tough, man. <laughs> someone said online, can you imagine? That was the best take. <laughs> Like this isn't Eastwood saying that's cool. <laughs> I mean, he's like you said, and like I said, the character is a block character as it is. Yeah. So I kind of like that's why it worked for me because of course she's going to be far and away better. Um, but yeah, I I'm with you there. A lot of people are giving it a lot of shit. Like, oh, why didn't they recast them after everything that happened? The movie was done. It was locked and loaded. That. You can't do that. Um, it, it was fine. I mean, it it was a little bit tough that she looked pretty young. I was like, uh, that that really did bother me a lot. But he also is like seven feet tall. So, um, but I mean, you know, to be honest, not a lot of people even know about the allegations. Like us people that follow film know, but the audience didn't really know that I was with. Like, but I also have to be honest. Like, I forgot what yeah. what happened. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds bad, but I was like, what? Which one was he? What did he do? Um, no. Because that was at a time where there was, I think there, that was at the time that a lot of stuff was coming out about um, Hammer too. Um, Archie, uh, what's his name? Hammer. Oh, oh, Ar- oh, Archie Hammer. Archie it's not Archie Hammer. Hammer. Is it Archie Hammer? Hammer? <laughs> no, it's not Archie Hammer. It's what not Archie Hammer. With, what is wrong with us? Archie. Oh my God. Army Hammer. Holy Army shit. Army Hammer. Holy shit. Holy shit. Army yeah, Hammer. Terrible together. Archie Hammer, good. 75 episodes. Let's just call it. This is it. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> we, we Clark Take Gregg is in West Side Story and Army. Oh, I said it right that time. God damn it. I can't even fuck up. Fuck up. <laughs> well, while you deal with that, I'm going to jump into what I've been watching. So I watched this movie called The End of Us that uh, I had missed at a couple of the film festivals that I recently attended, including Philly Film Festival and Toronto International Film Festival. Um, but it had stuff on my radar and then was able to finally catch it. It is a movie about a couple that breaks up. Uh, they live together, but they break up right before the uh, the state goes into lockdown. So they're stuck in the house together at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a good movie. It's one where uh, the chemistry of the leads is really good, and they're both individually funny, but together have really good back and forth and bounce off of one another really well. It's a film that's going to remind you of the early days of the pandemic when masks were you know all everyone was like wear a mask wear a mask if you're going to the grocery store put gloves on um all that stuff it's it's very heartfelt though because it dives into these characters kind of figuring out like how they can coexist together but also trying to forge their own paths and i like the direction that the film ultimately takes um ali vingiano i'm probably mispronouncing that but and ben coleman are the two leads and it's largely just them um so it was it was really kind of it was very enjoyable, to be honest. Um, it's a little bit like you've seen some of it before, and it's just dropped into the context of the pandemic. But I think that worked, uh, and it was something that was just very recognizable to anyone who has, uh, you know, been awake the past two years. <laughs> That's going to be tough, though. Like, I, I well, what was it? Morning show. Um, I stopped watching. I mean, for many reasons, I stopped watching the morning show in season two. But one of them was like when they started to like the the pandemic was starting and it was like all the new things that were happening. And I like my stomach just kind of dropped too much that I don't know. I'll ha- I might have an issue with this movie, but I'll take a look. I, I think you'll like it I think yeah. because I think that the it doesn't focus too much on that. It's more about sort of how. Well, actually, you might have a problem with it. Never mind. Um, so the other, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. 
The other one I want to talk about is Licorice Pizza. So this is uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie that everyone is losing their shit about. Um, I got to be honest, I'm in the minority here where I didn't really enjoy it. I was very bored with this movie through and through. Um, it is very inconsistent, and the, la the, the main plot is very lackluster to me. That's what really got me. So it's about, you know, burgeoning young love in the 1970s in the San Fernando Valley. Um, but it just, I never really grasped onto these characters. I know that today we saw Alana Haim get nominated, um, and I think even Cooper Hoffman got nominated, too, in one of them. Um, so they're the two leads. It's just... It, it was just boring to me. It seemed like it was a hodgepodge of random things that could happen to teenagers all in a two-hour movie, uh, and it really was not doing it for me. The best parts of the movie are in the cameos that pop up, so not only Bradley <laughs> Cooper, but you have Maya Rudolph, you have Sean Penn, you have uh, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, um, just a number of yeah, a number of people that pop up that are great um, but are only in it for you know very short times. Um, I did write in my review one of my favorite lines of any review I've ever written, uh, and it's, if Licorice Pizza was a work meeting, it could have been an email. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just did nothing for me. Um, but you're seeing, as we'll talk about shortly, that it is getting picked up for a lot of awards consideration, and at least the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards are uh, kind of bathing in this movie. So I don't know if that's just a uh, Paul Thomas Anderson thing, yeah. um, but it's, it doesn't do it for me. Well, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get into globes and everything. But uh, I mean, right now, Licorice Pizza is front runner for uh, original screenplay. Um, and I think that uh, the, well, and that's not even do like. And unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things. By the way, I have not seen this movie. I, I will see it eventually. Um, but I, I will say that it's it's not due to its uh, quality. This is an awards thing where Paul Thomas Anderson has not won an Oscar yet. Which I mean. In my opinion, I consider an issue. Should it be a situation where someone should win something because they haven't won something in in like ever yet? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. That's 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 insane. But like this is how the awards uh, circuit operates. And also, screenplay is kind of a mess this year. Much like everything's a mess. World's a mess. Um, I think this isn't my rant tonight, but it's. I mean, it's a rant that I want to throw in there. I think sometimes we give a little bit too much uh, leeway and um, rope to directors that we have liked former. We've liked mm -hmm. previous movies of. This happens with Christopher Nolan all the time, and happened with Tenet. I mean, we're seeing it right now with the fact that we're going to talk about Oppenheimer uh, with the casting there. But Tenet shit the bed and wasn't as great as everyone thought it was going to be. Careful, but, but still. People are losing their minds about Oppenheimer. So if you're keeping track, Spider-Man No Way Home is the best movie of 2021. The yep. Batman is the best movie of 2022. Uh, and Oppenheimer is the best movie of 2023 as of now. So we're already looking at 2024. Please plan accordingly. Sonic 3. Um, <laughs> I, um, Knuckles Revenge. Knuckles, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let there be Knuckles. Um, now. <laughs> But I would say with Licorice Pizza, the way you described it um, and the way you talked about why you did not like it um, was his goal. His goal was not for people to hate it, of course, but his goal was that he was going to make a movie of like a burgeoning long, young love of just like two kids hanging out for a while. Now, that that means there's probably no plot. I've heard that. I've heard there's just sort of windows of plots going on in like L.A. And there's just these two kids sort of hanging out and there's kind of a love situation there. But that's pretty much it. So this is if we look at it, we're looking at a Seinfeldish movie about nothing kind of situation where like I'm worried that I will like this. I'm waiting. But <laughs> of course, Seinfeld was funny. I mean, maybe this wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> 
that's what I'm saying. If you're going to have, yeah. you need to offer something, if you're going to yeah. do something that simple and I'm all about simple, don't get me wrong. I love simplistic movies, mm-hmm. but if you're going to do it, do it right and have something to offer. I didn't think this had anything to offer. But I feel you. I feel you. Enough. Yeah. How about um, you? Oh God. I, I watched like movies that one of them I liked, one of them I didn't like. And, but they're both like movies that are kind of way off the radar of anything. It's like right now I'm sort of in between. I'm, I've got this like purgatory where there's a bunch of movies coming out that I'm looking forward to watching in, in award circuits. And there's a bunch of movies behind me, but regardless, uh, I'm going to talk about unforgivable first and then end on a positive note. So unforgivable. I mean, Oh my God, that's true. That's why Netflix took it. Um, so Easy marketing. Um, so Unforgivable is uh, the movie with Sandra Bullock where she uh, murders a cop, spends 20 years in jail, and then is on parole and then uh, deals with that. So pretty much same thing as Licorice Pizza. Um, and <laughs> like, so I would say this movie is obviously like incredibly depressing, wildly frustrating. Sandra Bullock, which I appreciate her as an actress, and I thought she was going to act the hell out of this role. It's just very flat, and she's trying her best with it. Um, and they try their hardest with other actors. Viola Davis is in this. Um, I, I didn't. I once again, though, it was a shame. I missed her because I blinked. And um, I like it's like she, I, she plays this horrible woman. Uh, Viola Davis does. Sandra Bullock kind of does as well. But uh, Viola Davis does. Um, like she plays someone who's just like mean and nasty and doesn't have any dimension whatsoever. And this is Viola Davis we're talking about. Um, and then we have uh, also John Bernthal is in this movie and it's like John Bernthal, like he does no wrong. He did wrong. And we, maybe his character was done wrong and therefore he couldn't salvage this. But it was just unbelievable that even he couldn't really save this movie. The only actor who did amazing. And I'm glad we're bringing up this actor now because, you know, he may be showing up in uh, some episodes of Hawkeye. We'll see um, is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. And. He's so good. The level of chameleon he has, he plays like sort of a lawyer that's trying to help her out to see her younger sister. Um, And it's unbelievable how good he is. This movie does its best to like sort of like pivot to a crime thriller and then have some sort of like, you know, twists and turns that, you know, are like, bravo, you surprised me, but they're kind of very flawed. (laughs) <laughs> like all of the air is taken out of this movie like i still have the notes for the review of this one i have no passion of reviewing this movie <laughs> like it's really kind of a i haven't like gone below a c in a while i mean that's because i'm watching awards movies but still it's just like i'm like oh man <laughs> like this is just a bummer i've heard a lot about that in the same vein i mean the other thing though that i wanted to jump in with is viola davis is doing a lot of weird not viola davis mm. holy shit uh, wait is viola davis in this or octavia spencer Viola Davis, you're t- you're thinking about Encounter. You said, you, yes, you said Viola Davis, and I thought Octavia Spencer right away, um, because both of them are doing these minor roles now, or mm-hmm. like even when you think about Viola Davis in Suicide Squad, but then Octavia Octavia Spencer in Encounter, which are just so beneath them and the level of actresses that they are. I don't get it. It's it's a very weird situation. I think it is just you know. who knows what it's like right now in Hollywood with pandemic stuff going on where it's just like, you know, you're swimming in something. You just quickly grab like, you know, whatever a film film project is open. Maybe that's what happened like a a year or two back. I mean, I I don't know what, what was going on, but also does Corey Stolen do he and John Bernthal have the same agent because they're both like in everything. John John Bernthal, right. What I like, cause I kind of looked at this. Oh, I I barely looked at this movie because Vincent D'Onofrio surprised me as well. But um, like, but uh, when John Berthold showed up, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you're here. (laughs) Where did you come from? Uh, 
future Academy Award nominee, let's hope. Um, <laughs> so I'll quickly dive also into 8-Bit Christmas, which was a lovely movie. Um, it's on HBO Max, straight to HBO Max. Um, it is a, a movie about a, a young child in the 80s at Christmas trying to get a Nintendo when their parents hate video games, which I can identify with immensely as my parents were not video game people. Um, but the, this movie is great. This movie is wonderful. It's funny. And it is literally, I'm using this properly, by the way, I'm using that word properly. It is literally a Christmas story, like kind of a shot for shot remake. Really? Not a bad thing, but, <laughs> but there were moments where I got uncomfortable where I'm like, did they credit Gene Shepard? Cause they, they really should. <laughs> like, Cause this is this, like, we'll, we'll let the lawyers figure it out, I guess. But that was one thing where I was just like, wow, it was kind of, um, kind of what, regardless though, regardless of that, <laughs> I, yeah, well, I lost my words there. Um, the ending was just absolutely beautiful. And I think, uh, like, Oh, just absolutely nailed that. I, I loved how they ended this one. Um, Are you well, I know it was unbelievable what happened. The moment they revealed the ending, it was just an all of a sudden geyser of tears. <laughs> Where there, there's just something about, especially with a Christmas story, there's something about like the dad coming through in the end. Like he does it in a Christmas story, he does it in this as well. Not, and that's not a spoiler, it's not in the way we think. He doesn't buy a Nintendo. You'll see what happens the way that goes. But I mean, the way that actually worked was just like, I, I mean, it was like, ask Sam immediate tears like to the point like I, I couldn't believe how fast like i just started crying that's never happened i'll be a mess i'll be an <laughs> it's it's so good all right let's dive into what's been going on in the news in the entertainment world this week and we're going to start with your corner of the earth uh with the awards that got announced there award nominees so i first want to say the golden globes got nominated and of course there's a lot of discussion around uh the change that's needed with the hollywood foreign press association um, and I was kind of going back and forth as to whether we should give the Golden Globes any air. And honestly, my thought on on this is two things. One is talking about it continues to shine light on the need for the ethics reforms and the diversity initiatives within the organization, but also uh, recognizes the individuals that were recognized by these awards, which at one point were considered a high point uh, in the award, the, the run up to uh, the Oscar. So I do think it's necessary for us to talk about. So we're going to highlight some of the big categories here. Um, Sean, what I think we could do is just run down a few of the categories and in each we'll just kind of give our take on them. If there's a snub, a surprise or anything like that. Um, and I'm going to give if and I don't know if you're ready for this, but who I think is going to pull the award. Um, that one hurts the most, but um, or is it the toughest, I should say. <clears throat> but let's start with the Golden Globes and then we'll get to the Critics' Choice. Best motion, motion picture drama. Belfast, Coda, Dune, King Richard, and The Power of the Dog. I'm going to start off with this one. I hated The Power of the Dog. I haven't written my review or <laughs> haven't put my review out there yet because I continue to write it. I can't stand it. On the flip side, I want to share that the Philly uh, Philadelphia Film Critics Circle released their awards today, uh, this morning. And this is what uh, the press release read. Um <laughs> The fifth annual year-end awards and the choice for best film of 2021 was The Power of the Dog. It was one of six awards granted to Jane Campion's Western, with the others including Best Director and Best Script, Best Actor for Benedict Cumberbatch, Best Supporting Actor for Cody Smith-McPhee, which I sincerely disagree with, and Best Soundtrack Score for Johnny Greenwood. Okay, I, wait a minute. Uh, Let's... I, 
Okay, so we're we're almost we're almost at opposites on Power of the Dog, except with Cody Smith McPhee. So look at us, we're friends again. We found we, we both, found a bridge. We found a bridge. Also, did you did you like the score at least? Oh yeah, and cinematography yeah. is fantastic. Um, yes. Direction is great. I just didn't like the story and didn't really care for what was happening. Um, it was just I was so bored. I was beyond bored. I'm so I I. I I just like it surprises me because usually I can get bored during a movie too, and like like I really like was interested in what the characters were and like how those characters developed and everything, and not even developed but were explored into their depths and stuff. I I know this is what I, I, I this is why I didn't time. want to do this. This is why I didn't want to do this. What's your pick? Time. I think these are all good nominees, by the way. I think these are you know like all like the ones that make sense. I think Belfast is my pick. I think so too. Um, Power of the Dog is definitely a possibility, but this is the Globes, and they're they're going to give it to Campion, um, and so because everything is going to go to, I think Campion's going to rock a clean sweep. Um, well, I don't know. There's a few. There's a few caveats there, but God, it's really tough to predict this year, man. It it's tough. really tough to predict. I keep on freaking out. <laughs> let's jump down. Let's jump down the best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama. Um, we've talked a lot about this one and sort of the rat race that it's going to be Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for the lost daughter, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Lady Gaga, House of Gucci, Kristen Stewart, Spencer. I have to tell you that I love hearing them have to like running through all the names. They're like Jessica Chastain, the eyes of Tammy Faye, blah, blah, blah. Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Lady Gaga, House of Gucci. <laughs> Always cracks me up, but Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga. What are your thoughts? <sighs> See, this is tough because I just looked at the best performances by actresses in a comedy and I was able to pick out a few that could get nominated. But also these five ladies could easily get nominated. And this is going to be a very packed category. Oh, so, oh, well, no, uh, I'm talking Oscar right now. Are we talking win? I I go to Oscars all the time. Um, In terms of winning for this one, you know, it's did Kristen Stewart and Spencer, did she lose her momentum? That's the big thing right now. Um, I don't think so. I don't see who takes her. Like a lot of critics associations are going for her. So, yeah, it just seems like at this point, everyone keeps on saying, well, she was like the front runner for too long. And it's like, that's true. That's a thing. That's a real thing. That's a good theory. But there's no number two right now. There's a lot of number twos that are kind of chilling there, but not one official one that can knock her down. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama. We have Mahershala Ali, Swan Song, Javier Bardem, being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, Will Smith, King Richard, and Denzel Washington, Tragedy Macbeth. Uh, full disclosure, haven't haven't seen Swan Song or Tragedy of Macbeth yet. Interesting. Yeah, well, those are the two Apple TV ones. Those are still uh, coming out. Um, Bardem, Cumberbatch. So this is going to be interesting because, you know, it's easy to just say Will Smith right off the bat. Boom. He's the, he's the uh, front runner, celebrity, big one. What could happen with Benedict Cumberbatch if they throw him in there? I mean, he's the other one there. Those two are the two that are fighting right now. I think that those – I mean, and they're going to be fighting – for the whole time until, you know, what I what I predict is, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to win every single critics thing possible. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith's going to show up in all of the uh, guilds and all like, you know, and just start to win everything. And then he'll be the big guy. But what, uh, what if they actually had to fight? <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of ages because Smith is older, but um, Cumberbatch. Oh, you, you know, what Cumberbatch wins. He's got the reach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Cumberbatch pulls that one. Um, just a couple more we're going to do from the Golden Globes here, but best, best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Cyrano, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. 
Um, my thought is West Side Story takes this one. Yes. Um, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's uh, without a doubt because right now that's getting the most popularity and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, re- yeah, most popularity. Yeah. That's what goes on with the Globes. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I watched Cyrano recently, uh, and the the movie itself didn't do much for me. It's a fine movie. Um, the performances are great, though. So the, when when we get to the performance categories, which we'll see, especially oh, I think Peter Dinklage is nominated here. Um, it's the performances are great. Um, performance by an actress in a motion picture musical or comedy. This is where there's a lot of surprises to me. Um, Marianne Cotillard, Cotillard, yeah, Cotillard. For Annette, that was a surprise for me. Alana Haim from Licorice Pizza, Jennifer Lawrence, Don't Look Up, Emma Stone from Cruella was a surprise for me too, and Rachel Zegler from West Side Story. Those are surprises. Like I wouldn't have predicted those. Like if I made predictions on Sunday, but I will say that you know when I see those, I'm like, oh yeah, those make sense for like a comedy category where they're coming out of nowhere, and it's like, oh yeah, no, Cruella, Emma Stone, that kind of deal. Uh, who is gonna win? Oh, this is really tough, actually. Um, because I mean, Zegler is sort of an obvious hit, but I think Haim could do the upset. I I think Haim. I'm vote. I'm voting Haim. Are you really? I I. You know what? That this will be. This will be like it'll be the uh, forty to one shot. Um, but I look at it as Zegler is the safe pick. Um, the other ones are yeah, they're kind of just like there to be there. And uh, I think um, Haim is getting a lot of awards. She's getting a lot of attention. She's one of the ones that could possibly slip into the Oscars. I don't think so, based on how that's like looking but yeah. she's getting buzz yeah it's very interesting um musical or comedy actor leonardo dicaprio don't look up peter dinklage cyrano andrew garfield tick tick boom cooper hoffman licorice pizza and anthony ramos in the heights surprise anthony ramos got thrown in there um but what are your thoughts here you think there's an upset don't you i don't know actually like there, there's two real good leads i mean dinklage versus Gar- i think this is garfield i think, I think- garfield too Everybody's loving Garfield. Um, and I think it's weird, though, because Dinklage, well, no, Dinklage and Garfield, they're both going to be in the Oscar race. Um, I mean, or, excuse me, are going to be, they are in the Oscar race, are, are probably going to be nominees. I, boy, that's tough. <laughs> it's one of those two, but I'll, I'll go Garfield. Yeah. I'm with you on Garfield. A couple more we're going to chat, chat about real quick here before we jump over to CCAs and any surprises there. Uh, but best performance by an actress in a supporting role in motion picture. Um, Katriona Balfe. Balfe? Is that Balfe? It's Katarina Balfe, but it's just spelt like a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> for Belfast. Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. Kirsten Dunst for Power of the Dog. Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. And Ruth Nega for Passing. To me, to me, this is a powerhouse of a category. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute powerhouse, and I don't know who takes it. I... To make it even easy, it's Ariana DeBose. Um, but you're right; it's it's not that easy to say that. It could be um, any one of them. I would love to see Anjana Ellis do this. Oh, I, love I would love to see Anjana Ellis do this. Um, you know, as everyone says um, with it, um, I think Kirsten Dunst's performance is great, but she doesn't have the scene. Like she doesn't have the Anjana Ellis kitchen scene. Like, um, and uh, you know, Balfi. Is good, but I think a lot of other ones are going to go to Belfast. Um, Ruth Nega in passing. Oh God, she could take it too. She this is like I'm telling you, this is all, any any of the five. Um, but I would say Ariana DeBose slightly above. Slightly. Final one is best performance by an actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. 
uh, Ben Affleck to Tender Bar, which I'm very happy got nominated here. <laughs> That's so great. I loved him in that movie. I can't wait for you to watch that because he's phenomenal. Um, Jamie Dornan, Belfast, Kieran Hines, Belfast, Troy Kotzer, or Kotzer, 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 yeah. Uh, and Cody Smith, McPhee, The Power of the Dog. I think Kieran Hines takes this. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and that would sort of cement this situation where everyone's saying Dornan and Hines, the Belfast boys, are both going to be just nominated everywhere, uh, including the Oscars. Um, I would say, you know, oh boy, no, that's a stupid thing I'm about to say. Do I say my stupid thing? I'm going to say my stupid thing. Say your stupid thing. Let's get Troy Kotzer on that stage, holding the globe. All right, well, like, that's stupid. Let's go. Hey, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, Coda got a lot of love. I think that, you know, maybe maybe Coda gets a uh, not, or actually, Coda could win somewhere else, maybe. I don't Coda know. Coda needs yeah. something at some point. Coda needs some wins, and I think that I think you're right. It's Kieran Hines, but uh, oh god, just give it a concert, man. This is this is what happens when I do predictions. I don't do predictions right. I do what I want instead of what I should do, and then uh, that's why I lost. Like I got like ten out of twenty four at the freaking Oscars last year. Well, we're gonna so we're planning on an awards shiitake soon. So maybe we'll do like who should win, who who we want to win. Did you call it a shiitake? Shiitake. That's one of my favorite jokes growing up. Um, it's from Spy Kids. Maybe it's Spy Kids 3D. Holy shit. Taki mushrooms. Um, all right. Let's jump over to Critics' Choice Awards real quick. So, of course, they have a much longer list for Best Picture, and this includes some of the ones that we discussed from Musical Comedy. Um, but there's an interesting addition here. Uh, so we have Belfast Coda, Don't Look Up, Doom, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. Nightmare Alley being the surprise to me there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm letting this load. Uh, but that, God, I just, I can't stand how many they do. I really can't stand how many they do. Actually, it's not that much. Um, <laughs> there's nothing that huge there that would be different. I can't decide who would win. I, but this is the one where, you know, just like what happened with uh, your uh, Philadelphia brothers, um, it's going to be a lot of power of the dog. So just get ready. My Philadelphia just, brothers. You said the Philadelphia critics. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just think that like for the critics, they're going to do a lot of power of the dog, um, which doesn't mean, you know, anything into the future possibly, but I just think that um, if not that everything's all over the place, Belfast is losing steam. Don't look up. Nobody really cares about it anymore. Um, what do you mean? Nobody <laughs> cares about it. It's not out yet. Well, everyone Holy like, you know, the, the reactions are saying that it's poor. Like that's, they're that's so mixed. It's so mixed. Mixed I, is poor. Mixed is poor when you're trying to win an award. Like if you're winning an award, well, got yeah, nominated, nominated, but not, not win. We don't know that yet. We haven't been there. The shit. Well, come the on. Shit. <laughs> best best actor. The only surprise there was Nicolas Cage for Pig. It's not a surprise anymore, buddy. Like I'm telling you, if on Oscar, if on Oscar morning that like Nicolas Cage for Pig shows up, sure, I'll I'll, I'll let out a yelp. I won't be terribly surprised. This guy is slowly drifting in there, man. Slowly. It's like interesting to me. Um, it won't happen, but still. It two could. others I want to touch on. Best Supporting Actor, J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. I, he was phenomenal in this movie. I talked about that last week. I love him in this movie. And then Jared Leto for How So Good She Happened. I, I think, I think this will be the last time we just see him. And that is horrible that I knock on everything but i think that will be the last time we see him i, I he is he is a dying star right now that that like i mean house of gucci mean a dying star like in terms of 
Well, what? Like he's like, like see him in an a- he's slowly. No, oh, well, maybe, <laughs> but he's slowly fading at least this year with any sort of award prospects in this category. That's what I mean by that. His award prospects are a dying star. Interesting. I don't know, man. I've got a lot of caffeine in me. <laughs> don't challenge me on what I'm saying. I obviously don't know. Come on. <laughs> Best supporting actress to welcome additions here and Dowd for Mass and Rita Moreno for West Side Story. I love those two. I do too, but I'm just starting to think that maybe Mass might be a uh, a fart in the wind soon, I and we I, that that really, really, really is going to bum me out for a long time. Uh, just, and I I don't even care about it getting all of the awards that it deserves, which is every single award, but just give like a performer a nomination somewhere, so that you know there's just some sort of acknowledgement of Mass existing, and I just want then like you know some people that may not have seen it. We'll eventually see it. I mean, right now it's impossible to see. Thanks, Bleecker Street. You know, I'm pissed Bleecker Street picked it up. Now I'm just, you know, <laughs> they screw that up. Um, <laughs> but I, I but I worry about that. Other than that, great list there. And Rita Moreno for West Side Story. I love the idea of her getting nominated. And uh, yeah, good crew, good crew. So the next category to touch on is the young actors and actresses. I don't understand what the rules are here. Like, what's the age that you're talking about for actors and actresses? Because Rachel Zegler, who was nominated for Best Actress in uh, for the Golden Globes and likely for the Oscars, is in this category. She's 20 years old. Yeah, we got, well, also you could be, uh, let's see, Jude Hill, who is uh, eight. Like, who? how old is actually Jude Hill? But he's like 11. Like, uh, even but, um, Amelia Jones, how old is she? Like I was gonna, I mean, college age, probably more. Oh, she, oh, she was actually of of age of her role. That's uh, yeah. pretty. Um, but I look at this and it's just tricky because this is going to Jude Hill, and um, it's going to Jude Hill based on like you know the likability. It's going to Jude Hill based on the talent, but then it just kind of like just an itty bitty sort of sucks for the rest of these people. <laughs> like it's just like oh man, like I just got beat by a ten year old. But <laughs> like that's why this category is terrible. Zegler got that nomination. And she's like shit. I don't want this. <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> no, please don't do this. Oh um, man. Oh, I want to talk about acting ensemble for a second here. Um, this is very interesting because we've got Belfast, which I don't know. I mean, yes, but also five people um, and the amount shouldn't matter. Uh, West Side Story, pretty great. Power of the Dog should not be on there. Like I like that's not an ensemble. That's it's not even, it's that's it's four people. Like Get out of here. Um, I've not, I haven't seen pizza, but I love the harder they fall on here. The harder they fall on here. I want that to be on all the acting ensembles, all the best cast. I want that to be in the SAG because for some stupid reason, the harder they fall is not being considered in any sort of Oscar situations, which doesn't make any damn sense in the entire world. But I really, really love this movie. And that is like the best cast of the year. So get that one cooking. Netflix pushed it for their awards, but they also pushed pretty much everything they had. Don't look up. It's going to be another for that. Tick, tick, boom is going to work out for them, so. Um, yeah, that's true. All right, so uh, we're going to jump into some news uh, after this, but award season is really kicking in the high gears. So if you're interested in keeping up with all the happenings, tune into Awards Watch every Monday uh, on GuyAtTheMovies.com. I also want to use this opportunity to tout uh, the upcoming uh, Golden Guy Awards for this year. It's the third year we're doing it, but a little bit more organized this year and I've learned a little bit more from the past. 
Um, we have a lot of fun categories. Movie of the Year for Drama, Musical, Comedy, Animated, Documentary, Horror, Action. Uh, we'll talk about Best International Film, Best Director, Best First Film for a Director, Best Original Score, Best Original Song, Best Visual Effects. And then the performance categories are, looped, uh, are lumped together. Uh, so this is in an effort to be uh, genderless in the way that we approach these categories and not separate the best performances and recognize truly the best of the best. So you have best performance and best supporting performance. Um, nominations are going to open on GuyTheMovies.com and all the Guy the Movies social accounts on December 24th and stay open through December 28th at 12 p.m. December 24th is really the last day for the major releases this year. Um, outside of, I think, Don't Look Up might be a little, might be like, yeah. Eve or something, but uh, but it's all but it's already in theaters uh, here and there. Uh, and then voting is going to take place December 29th through January 2nd, with the announcement of the winners on January 3rd. So tight turnaround. But every 2021 film release, regardless of where it was released, uh, in terms of VOD or streaming or theaters or whatnot, is eligible. So I'm excited for that. And that is happening. And there you go. Yes. Oh no, I was doing like the because then there's an ad, right? Or no. <laughs> I was doing I was helping you edit. Oh, there was an ad. <laughs> we booted some of the ads. We don't really do them much anymore. <laughs> 75 episodes together. <laughs> like, there's an ad. Here's an ad. Um uh I just completely lost my train of thought, but here we go. I'm We're gonna go singing. into the are we worried about musicals at the box office? We are, and that's why I'm singing as the transition to go towards West Side Studio bombing at the box office a little bit here. Um, so we are not really sure what's happening when it comes to musicals because if you remember when In the Heights hit, it was getting a lot of praise, a lot of great talk, and I think did really well in terms of critics, um, but also didn't do well at the box office. And now we have West Side Story that only took in ten and a half million dollars this past weekend. Uh, so what are you thinking here? Is it a sign of musicals just being like too much at this point? Or is it a, a, a symptom of the overall box office uh, issues that we've been seeing during the pandemic? Um, I mean, yeah, uh, box office issues during pandemic. Uh, my mom would have like, you know, just kneecapped a row of senior citizens to see this movie and didn't see it because she is being cautious about the pandemic and good for her, like in that kind of situation. Like she wanted to see this movie more than anything in the world. And um, it's, you know, it's pretty damn heartbreaking that she couldn't see it, but that's her choice. That's her choice, by the way, to make sure like, you know, she uh, stays safe and everything. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people uh, like her. And um, I think people are not going to the uh, theater uh, because of that. The, it's, it's a preventative measure. Um, and uh, a lot of people are uh, worried about that. And so two things go on with like when a movie fails at the box office. Um, one of them is that it's HBO Max's fault. And the other one is the pandemic's fault. Now, excuses, excuses, blah, blah, blah. But those are two things that are you know genuine excuses. Now, this seems to be one of the few that does mystify me a little bit. I was quite surprised to hear that West Side Story failed at the box office. Um, but then I remembered that, you know, most people had the expectations of they're remaking a classic best picture movie. And then also there is this weird part where Steven Spielberg does have like not a blotch on his name, but he is Spielberg. So everyone's just like, oh, Spielberg is amazing and stuff like that. There's a backlash to him because he's like, you know, because he's been um, worshipped for so long. And so I, I look at this as those were things working against it. I look, I still look at the largest thing though is the pandemic. Omicron is coming. Um, I mean, excuse me, Omicron is here um, and people are ready to spend time uh, at Christmas. So they're being cautious. And so the movies that decided to like get released at Christmas, you know, 
obviously those are going to be a little bit more of a problem. Um, uh, it, it's unfortunate that I always just say like, you know, oh, I br- I feel like I'm brushing it off when I say this is just the pandemic. This is just COVID. This is just the new like variant. But I think it is. So, I mean, if you're a studio head or you're you know, making these decisions for a studio, what do you do in the future uh, and what should have been done here? My question around this is that you always want to see uh, a movie make back some of the money. They want to make back what they spent, right? That's hello. Yeah. That's what you do when you're producing something. Um, but West Side Story had a $100 million budget, made $10.5 million in opening weekend and didn't do much better overseas. I think only like $5 million in its opening weekend. That's pretty poor. You go to In the Heights. In the Heights had a $55 million budget and made $11.5 million, but still not great. Um, and I don't think it did that well in theaters following. Of course, it had some of the, the push on HBO Max and that factors in. But you don't have that when it comes to West Side Story and this huge budget here. So should they have waited to release the film when more people could have or were more comfortable in going to the theater? Um, Lord knows when that would be. But then, like, what's... How do you how do you reconcile that moving forward when the next big you know let's talk about the Phantom of the Opera remake that's coming right as an example um, so just looping this into the conversation there's a Phantom of the Opera adaptation that's going to take place in modern day New Orleans it's going to be a full movie musical um, that's that's happening that was one of our stories tonight but how do you justify giving that a decent budget if you're seeing the past few big budget theatrical release musicals not do well I don't know that you can. No, I don't see it. I mean, um, I remember uh, what was it? Uh, one of my friends uh, texted me like, "They're like, we just started watching In the Heights. We're very excited about it." And then two seconds later, I get a text being like, "Oh, this is singing." I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I was like, "Did you check a trailer out?" <laughs> but I, I think there's something there. There's a bitterness to musicals, and people have a hatred of musicals before there's a uh, discovery of musicals. You know, we're we're conditioned as we're brought up that the musicals are the boring thing. I think Phantom of the Opera is one of the ones used all the time where it's like <laughs> where it's a, a boring situation. I think like in in the situation of what do they do? Like what did what do they do with West Side Story or what could they have done with West Side Story? And the answer is quite literally nothing. Pushing it back, I don't think was an option. Um, and then the other option is, uh, well, we'll try to put it on some sort of like, you know, streaming or something like that. And Spielberg would have murdered anyone that would have tried to do that. Um, and like so there's there's no great option. And then I wonder, I truly wonder this, like, I guess Spielberg does want his film to be successful, but does he really give a shit that it makes money? <laughs> like, does he like, I think he's good. Like he, he cares more about like the artistic integrity of it and how it should be seen in a theater. And I think that's what a lot of these directors feel. And it's like, well, I mean, you got to sort of play ball and you know, some of them are producers, so they do know how to play ball at times, but that conflict gets yeah. so tricky. Oh, I wonder if it's part of like, for lack of a better term or comparison, like the studio slush fund as well. They're like, all right, Spielberg wants to play with, you know, West Side Story and make a movie, give him, give him what he wants, whatever. But look what they're getting out of it. They're getting, you know, Rachel Zegler being uh, nominated and being recognized for as great as she is. They're seeing Spielberg's uh, star continue to rise and the deals that he has for filmmaking are going to pay off. And it's going to draw more attention to the fact that Spielberg is still a great filmmaker. So maybe that's going to pay dividends in the future. Maybe it's more of a long-term investment. I don't know that that's true because hundred million dollars for a musical is a lot of money. Um, but Hey, maybe, maybe that's, that's the judgment they're making. Well, it's like a long-term investment. Like this weekend, they'll be like, this is great. Everyone will see West side story. And then all of a sudden a guy puts on Spider-Man tights and it's like, Oh shit, <laughs> there's going to be no room for a West. Side. Like there, there will not be a screen showing West side story this weekend. 
Yeah. Um, I wonder what this does for the sequel East Side Story as well. But let's move on <laughs> oh, to the next story. Uh, so we originally were going to talk about what I what I labeled the curious case of the Ben Affleck Anna de Armas movie, um, Deepwater. But here's what was happening or what has been happening. So back uh, 14 relationships ago, Ben Affleck was, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back in 2019, nice. Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas were filming a film called Deepwater. Uh, when they were still in a relationship. And this is based on a Patricia Highsmith novel of the same name. It was a 20th Century Studios movie, so it now is owned, of course, by Disney, ultimately. Um, it was directed by Fatal Attraction's Adrian Lane, so that's a big draw there as well. But it follows a married couple in a loveless marriage who agree to take over or take other lovers, but people around them start turning up dead. Uh, so a little bit of a mystery, like erotic mystery, I think I've seen it labeled as, um, or erotic thriller. Uh, so it was slated to come out January 14th, which I think was probably, I, I want to say it was like the third release date change. And then it was just suddenly removed from uh, the release schedule last month or last week. Um, the question was, what's going on with it? Nobody had any idea. Uh, but now today, Deadline is reporting that it's likely going, that it is going to streaming and that Hulu will carry the North American or at least the U.S. rights while Amazon will carry uh, other territories. So it will be going to streaming. Um, they ponder that it could be because of the lack of theatrical draw and box office draw for dramas due to the pandemic. Um, this seems like a really fascinating movie. A lot of other people say it's <laughs> they're theorizing online that uh, Ben Affleck and Anna Darmus just don't want to do press tours together. <laughs> I don't, that's not theorizing. That's absolutely true. <laughs> that's one. Um, that's true. But this seems this actually seems like it would do well on streaming to me. This is this is a great, I mean, first of all, a great winter streaming movie. Are you kidding me? This is like the perfect time for this to come out. January 14th. Uh, oh, wait, that was a theatrical release. So uh, it'll be even further than that, probably. But uh, oh, man, I can't wait for this to be a February where we can't go out. We Uber eat some pasta, just get, get fat on some carbs and watch like a weird swingers like... <laughs> you know, like murder mystery. Watch oh, that yeah. eroticism in your own house. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so a little bit of breaking news real quick before we jump into another one. Tomorrow is the embargo lift for uh, The King's Man, uh, which of course is the third movie in the series of The Kingsman, um, but it is a prequel to the first two. Matthew Vaughn in an interview with comicbook.com today said that they're all set to go on Kingsman 3. Uh, and they'll start filming in September, which will wrap up Eggsy's story. Eggsy, of course, is Taron Egerton. So that's coming. I um, didn't realize. I knew that King's Man had Rasputin in it, and I was really excited that Rasputin was in it. I didn't know Rasputin was being played by Risa Fines, uh-huh. and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that is awesome. Like that. Like I, I heard about that casting, and now, like I was already into it for that character alone. Now I'm still into it for that character alone and for that casting alone. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I will talk tomorrow when it, when the uh, embargo lifts. <laughs> you can't say anything. We'll keep moving. We'll keep moving. You can't say anything. <laughs> what we can talk about is uh, the 2023 best movie ever, uh, which is Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. So, of course, this is the movie that is going to uh, tell the story of the scientist credited with being one of the fathers of the atomic bomb. Um, which is Robert or J. Robert Oppenheimer, and the movie is based on the book American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Um, he, he, he is being played by Cillian Murphy, Killian Murphy, 
Uh, and Matt Damon, Emily Bunton, and Robert Downey Jr. were already attached to it, but now we know that Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, and Benny Safdie are the latest additions to the cast. This cast has really blown up. Um, I'm very interested in it because I like that they're fo- he's focusing on like an individual and sort of the individual's role in what's going on, whereas else, elsewhere, elsewhere, previously, in those movies, they're kind of like big budget, like blockbuster, like go crazy movies. So I'm hoping that this is really um a character study so to speak from him that would be different but i don't know what we're gonna get for shout out to benny safty who is just like an actor now like that's just, <laughs> that's just amazing it's like i mean he was an actor in good times so it's already like like pretty solid too he's but in now licorice pizza too by the way he is in liquid i saw that in the credits oh man that's <laughs> great uh it's like you know just Benny Safty, man. I, I love that he's in here. But I, I really love that there's this much of a cast. I'm um, I'm worried that there'll be a couple of people that are just kind of like in like the corner or something where it's like, hey! <laughs> for two seconds. Like, you know uh, what else he's in? What is he in? The Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Get the... I did. I, you know what? Actually, now that I heard, I did hear about that. I did. Because like that's when they came out with that full cast and everything. But that is awesome. I can't... Let's get a damn clip of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, man. They don't Let's need get to. I want footage of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I need a trailer. I need an Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. I'm dying here. All I got to look at is Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> series that I have zero interest in, but we'll watch anyway and probably love. I think um, I like it. <laughs> it's I it's I all about it. politics, space politics. <laughs> um, but yeah, are you? is this a movie that you're excited about with Oppenheimer? Yeah, I mean um, – I'm still salty over like the the constant worship of uh, Nolan at times, um, especially after everyone said that Tenet greatest movie of all time, never anything. And I'm just like, and that's why I said careful to you because there are people that will burn our podcast down for saying everything, anything terrible about Tenet when you don't know what Tenet's about. You, listeners, you don't know what Tenet's about. Stop it. You don't. No, stop. Hey. Hey, they even tell you in there, you don't understand. You don't have to yeah, understand it. There's no reason. Yeah, Nolan said, I don't know what's going on, okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm going as, I'm making this up as I go. Um, but I do still love Nolan as a filmmaker. He's still an <laughs> exceptional filmmaker. I'm excited to see what he does with this story. This is a very different type of move for him. Um, I mean, it's not really, I mean, oh, he'll still screw it up with time somehow. But um there's something interesting about this that I really do enjoy. And I mean, that many stars that I absolutely love, I'd see anything with that. Come on. Leonardo DiCaprio shows up and he's like, I'm in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Drop the bomb. Um, The biggest thing and the biggest obstacle that they're going to have to overcome is that I keep thinking about Mr. Michael Oppenheimer, who is a character from the Elvis Duran show, uh, (laughs) Elvis Duran, the morning show. And they do phone taps. And here is one of the phone taps uh, from Mr. Michael Oppenheimer. Scary. (laughs) Phone tap. Scary. Yes. What's it all about? Well, Chris's girlfriend, Kelsey, hates telemarketers. We'll just listen to a second of it. So that's why she'd be a perfect phone tap victim, especially by our relentless telephone telemarketer, Mr. Michael Oppenheimer. I like how you speak about him in the third person. Like, exactly. Like, I'm not him. (laughs) And you. Here we go. Let's see what it's all about. Scary's, I mean, Mr. Oppenheimer's phone tap. (laughs) Good afternoon. This is Mr. Michael Oppenheimer with Zachary's Nuts. How are you doing today, miss? Uh, I'm fine. Zachary's Nuts offers a wide array of nuts for your holiday season. This handsome handled tray basket includes sun-dried apricots, honey roasted peanuts. Okay, thank you. I'm really not interested. Thank you so much. Which is the quantity you'd like to add to your cart? <laughs> Goes back. I love it. 
Good afternoon. This is Mr. Michael Oppenheimer with Zachary's. Hello. Hi, how are you doing I today, Miss? I guess that I wasn't interested. We have for you today a special offer that you can't refuse. It's the Holiday Entertaining Nut Sampler Basket from Zachary's. No, I'm not interested. Thank you. This gourmet wicker nut basket comes not with... not interested. Thank you. Certainly you celebrate the holidays, don't you? Hello? <laughs> so I always think of, this is Mr. Michael Oppenheimer. <laughs> so that's what I'll be thinking about the entire movie, just so you're aware. <laughs> that'll be very interesting that that'll be where your head's at for that movie. the entire time the entire time uh let's touch on two other quick stories before we jump into the last one that we have on the list here first and foremost is that marry me which is the new modern love story about celebrity marriage and social media that stars uh owen wilson jennifer lopez and what's his name maluma is that is that the the girl from uh, i spy <laughs> no he's actually uh oh. a rap a, 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 musical artist. I thought the girl from I Spy is in that too. Grammy nominee. Who's the girl from I Spy? The one with Dave Batista. Oh, the little girl. That Um, no, it's my spy. My spy. I spy. Um I don't I spy was the Owen Will Oh I Spy was the other Owen Wilson movie with Eddie Murphy. Anyway, so that's going to hit theaters and Peacock at the same time, which leads us into our last story here that in addition to that happening, Peacock uh, is going to stream all of the, well, most of the Universal Film Entertainment Group, uh, Film Entertainment Group uh, films within 45 days of release. So they'll start in theaters, premiere in theaters, and then head to Peacock within 45 days. And this means that titles like The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke, Ambulance, and Halloween Ends uh, will be in, uh, you know, on your TV. And this is just another example of the changing landscape of the theatrical windows that we see happening. Um, but I also think that it kind of alters the way in which streaming the streaming wars continue on because Peacock is now really firmly in the game. It's un- yeah, because Peacock at this point I was uh, is for me to catch up on uh, Yellowstone, and then I, I think I got it for Halloween Kills, and that is all that is uh, that I've watched on it. So um, you know, once these uh, movies start to uh, you know show up and become something a little bit larger, it'll be a little bit more interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I always want to do that. Oh, for is that is that your impression of a peacock? Oh, geez. oh, so your impression of a peacock is you're like a Pokemon that's peacock where they say the name of the Pokemon. Essentially, essentially. Yes. Essentially. Why not? Works. Why not? Um, so that's happening. And the last thing to touch on real quick that Sean has zero interest in is that uh, there is a Mega Man movie that has been uh, <laughs> gestating for a long time. And according to uh, IGN, uh, it sounds like the movie is being developed at Netflix. So this, of course, is the video game uh, Capcom's Mega Man, um, but it's a feature movie that is in the works at Netflix. Um, what's really interesting is who... Wait. Ariel Shulman? Oh! The catfish dude? I was going to say that... Yeah, yeah. Or is that the brother of the catfish dude? That's the brother of, of Nev. Yeah. So he he wrote it? Well, they maintain an active development slate. Features in the works include an adaptation of Capcom's Mega Man for Turnin Entertainment and Netflix, which they wrote and are directing. So that's happening. Oh, I'm looking at the picture of this guy. I knew this guy. Mega Man. (laughs) Before we got on here, you had such a meltdown about Mega Man. know what you were talking about you I, I thought it was some kind of toy or something and you and you, and you just like you were just like oh 
How do you not? My, my goodness me! How do you not know about thine Mega Man? I said good day. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, let's dive into rants and raves. I'm going to start off with a rave real quick, just that as we're moving closer to its release date. But Scream Five, or Scream as it's better known, uh, will be coming out in January, and the marketing for this has been phenomenal. Have you seen the new Scream poster that was released today? It is. I saw you post it earlier. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful poster, and I'll share it for those of you that are watching in uh, on the, the live stream here. And if you didn't see it, just search for the release of the latest screen poster uh, on Google or whatever it may be, whatever floats your fancy. Um, but here is the poster, and it is, it's just phenomenal. This is a great oh poster. God. It Look says, the tagline is, the killer is on this poster. And, <laughs> and I well, of course that, he is. He's in the mask. I just think that's phenomenal. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, everyone's yeah. freaking out about it. I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I just think that's hilarious. It's a great poster, great marketing. They're doing the 12 days of Scream or something now um, where they're releasing something new every day. And they're just doing a great job with it, like really leaning into what Scream was and why so many people hold these movies to be uh, like top-notch 90s horror, 90s, 2000s horror. 90s? 90s. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, right? Yeah. Wait. Late it's got to be right. Yeah, yeah, late 90s, 90s, but it's got to be 96, 90s, yeah. 97. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm excited for it. I'm very excited for that movie. I can't wait. I People are saying, oh, got the January date. I don't know that that means anything anymore, at least this year with the hangover or the pandemic. <laughs> Shouldn't even well, say hangover. The consistent pandemic yeah. <laughs> the, the we're gonna probably drink again and get drunk again this night, <laughs> like pandemic, uh, even though we're hungover and we're. <laughs> um, I, I love the idea with well something like a horror movie uh, a January February release is common it's yeah, it's the, it's the proper place to put it honestly uh, because unfortunately it's just not even going to be considered by Oscars and yeah I don't think Scream Five is going to be getting any best uh, screenplay kind of things uh, or best screenplay <laughs> but in this situation I think it's much better that don't no um, but it looks looks like this is just like going to be the perfect spot we're all just going to have a blast like you know trudging through the snow going to see scream i'm excited yeah i'm extremely excited for it i'm sorry i just got caught off guard because i always check to make sure that we're not missing any news and apparently britney spears is on instagram dragging diane sawyer so i can't wait to read that <laughs> anyway um yeah so scream i'm very excited for it comes out in january uh check out some of the marketing i think it's at scream movies on instagram and on twitter uh, but that's where all the action is. So we'll see what they release coming up. But they're having a lot of fun with it. Uh, and for people that say like, oh, you've shown they've shown too much in the marketing. They have four different scripts to, that they were <laughs> working with at the end. Um, and I think that you're they're not going to show you the full movie in the marketing. So um, I'm excited. Can't wait. What do you got? Uh, so I've just thought about it, you know, like when it comes to the uh, when I can't think of a rant or a rave, I always just go to a TV show I'm watching that I love. Um, and so in this case, uh, first of all, two raves, one very quick succession just wrapped season three. Everyone in the entire world watched succession. <laughs> this show. Wow. Did this end like just perfectly? So succession season three just ended. Definitely watch it. Truly, truly amazing. Um then uh, the other one we got here is uh, we've got uh, this great HBO show called How To with John Wilson. This is a guy that takes his camera, goes throughout like New York, filming everything possible, and then narrates certain stories about it. But his how-tos are very interesting. Like one of them was how to be interested in wine. 
And then as he was interested in wine, he started to realize I need to be more interested in certain smells. So then he went to a bowling alley where he was trying to smell the wood and he couldn't really smell the wood properly, but there were these scented bowling balls. So then he went to the factory that had the scented bowling balls. After he went to the factory that had the scented bowling balls, one of the employees had an energy drink. So he went to this guy that has energy drinks and stuff. And like all of a sudden it was like, he was talking about wine in the beginning. And yet still, even with all that craziness, he brings it back to these like actually very insightful morals while occasionally just filming these b-roll weird stuff going on in the city that goes on that goes along with his narration it's the strangest most inviting and warm series i've ever seen i you know it's it's truly how to with john wilson on hbo max it's it, it comes out every Friday. Um, I watch it sometime other than that, but it is truly a, it's a bonkers show. It's a funny show and it's, it, you know, teaches you a few things. Sounds like a ride. It, <laughs> it like. is absolutely a ride. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of rides, there's a lot of movies coming out this week that will hit on a lot of different genres. So take that ride and hit some animation, hit some uh, old school drama with Minamata that's hit in limited theaters after being shelved for quite a long time. Uh, Ron's Gone Wrong is hitting Disney Plus. I need to rewatch it because I want to go back to that scene that I said was really disgusting and like couldn't believe it was in this movie. No one else has mentioned it, and I'm like, am I the only one that saw this? And did I interpret it wrong? In which case, I will issue a full apology next week. Uh, Rumble hits Paramount Plus. The Hand of God on Netflix. Nightmare Alley hits theaters. Spider-Man No Way Home hits theaters, of course. We'll talk about that all next week. Um, Swan Song hits limited theaters and Apple TV Plus. President hits limited theaters. The Lost Daughter limited theaters. The Novice limited theaters. VOD Digital. If you haven't caught that, highly recommend it. Very good movie. And The Tender Bar is hitting limited theaters in New York and Los Angeles, making its awards push. A lot of stuff coming out. So what are you seeing this weekend? (laughs) I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, good old Thursday afternoon. I'm seeing some Spider-Man No Way Home. What time um, are your tickets? 4.30. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. So I got to leave work right away, and I'm just like <laughs> going going for it, just speeding out of there. It's like, I need extra help, Mr. Phillips. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Mr. Phillips is out. Um, well, hey, Sean, always a blast. Always fun. Really glad that we uh, had this opportunity to talk tonight and uh, talk about how you were wrong with the power of the dog, but it's okay. I'll be fine moving forward. See, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like you're doing the negative review this time. So the whole prom thing, I get to, I get to be the one now because I was the one that gave the negative review to prom and you are just relentless. And so you didn't even give a negative review to the prom. That's the funny part. That's a sort of a bit of part of it. Yeah, that's true. I like that you admit that though. (laughs) Oh boy. Just don't understand your ratings. Y'all kidding. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't understand, understand it. mine either. <laughs> like, yeah, it's sort of fun. It's all it's crazy. All right. So happy avoiding spoilers the next few days. Oh, God. All right. Phone's going underneath the uh, floorboards. <laughs> the house might not make it. I know my apartment won't. <laughs> Goodbye. As Goodbye. always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.